0: Welcome to Saracasm, a podcast about growing up and screwing up. Welcome back to another episode of Saracasm. Today we're talking about childhood trauma and how to grow past it. Joining us is a lovely friend of mine, Lauren Atwell. Lauren, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, Lauren and I have been friends for eight years, and just in those eight years, we have experienced a lot of fun trauma together. And like I said in the first episode, which if you want to reference that, that's finding the joy on Saracasm. I just talked about how I have a lot of spicy trauma to impact. So we're going to talk about childhood trauma today. And, you know, more than two-thirds of children reported at least one traumatic event by age of 16. And I want to talk about, you know, what is childhood trauma? Because everyone thinks, you know, something, like, really big has to happen to validate it being childhood trauma. And there's a lot of things, actually. So any type of abuse, sexual, physio- psychological, physical, community or school violence, witnessing or experiencing domestic violence, national disasters, terrorism, commercial sexual exploitation, sudden or violent loss of a loved one, refugee or war experiences, military family, physical or sexual assault, neglect, serious accidents, or life-threatening illnesses. The National Child Traumatic Stress Network defines it as when a child feels intensely threatened by an event he or she is involved in or witnesses, We call that event a trauma. Identifying trauma is not making excuses for your actions. It's just a platform for understanding them, changing them, and explaining them to others. So we're going to talk about childhood trauma. And I want to start with, you know, the event or events you felt stunted your growth as an adult the most. Like growing into adulthood, growing through high school. What do you think affected the way you view the world the most? I would definitely say incidents
1: with my dad. I mean... My parents got a divorce when I was a sophomore, so that's yeah. obviously something that did shape me. There was a lot that did lead up to the divorce that did shape me almost even more than the divorce itself, because yeah. it was like I kind of knew that was coming.
0: I think at that point you were ready for it. Honestly, to be honest, everybody was.
1: We all like my mo- when my mom told us, all the kids smiled. We're like, thank God. Yeah. Like this needed
0: to happen. No, I know. know it was it was bad.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I would say just different events that happened with my dad, I would sit there and be with my sisters and my mom, and it was almost like I would sit there and listen, and I would be there for them, but I never learned how to openly express my own emotions. Be
0: there for yourself.
1: Exactly, and that's one thing that I've learned definitely growing up and getting away from the situation, is if you want to be able to take care of other people, you need to take care of yourself first, mm-hmm. and that's something that... Has shaped my relationships with my friends, my boyfriend, my mom, my sisters. And it's something that's definitely changed who I am and who I've become. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I had been there for so many people for so long without accepting and validating my own feelings. And now all of a sudden I'm in therapy and I'm like, everything makes sense. You know, I'm able to sit there and say, I'm sad. She's like, You're right
0: for feeling sad. As you you should.
1: Yeah. So I've, I would say that being there for yourself is most important and then taking care of other people.
0: Yeah. And I think we are trained as kids to not think that way. We're told it's selfish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's that analogy like I can't save you from drowning if I'm drowning myself.
1: Exactly. And when you're put in a situation like that, it's almost like you're not the kid anymore. You're the mediator.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about that. OK, mm-hmm. so let's talk about how child trauma forces you to grow up so fast. So I'm just going to delve into like my story a little bit. and mm-hmm. I'm going to probably end up retelling it on the podcast like five times. But, you know, okay. there's always new people listening. Uh, my dad died when I was 11, but he had brain cancer the entirety of my life. Right. And mm-hmm. there is this thing called cancer toxicity. And that is how cancer affects every aspect of your life. And if you are in the Midwest, I think they're focusing right now on um, more central and southeast Michigan. New Day Foundation is a fantastic organization that helps fight cancer toxicity. And that is how cancer affects every aspect of your life. There is an economic burden. There is a social burden. There's a mental burden. So I grew up with that. I was forced at a very young age to be my own advocate. I had to communicate for myself. If I wanted something done, I had to do it. My dad worked a 9 to 5 with half of, like, a fourth of his brain. Mm-hmm. My mom worked a, I think it was like an 8 to 3 because she took us to school and picked us up and yep. brought home and made dinner. Mm-hmm. So even though my dad died was 11, I had to step up when I was born. Mm-hmm. And that's something, when I did go to therapy, <laughs> we talked about is an aspect of childhood trauma that impacts the development of your brain, right? When your brain is developing as a child, everything around you impacts that. And there's these things, these things called neural pathways, which, you know, develop with habits, things you learn. She said that as soon as I was born, you know, I was born into chaos. Yep, my dad's surgery was right before my when I was born. Mm-hmm. So I every moment growing up was like, yes, my parents did an amazing job. And I, I don't question that but they couldn't help the reality we lived in
1: exactly and I think it's safe to say that for I'm pretty sure both of us um it's safe to say that we've always lived in the what-ifs and so now looking back we're like elaborate on that I will so basically now like when I'm thinking about something I'll be talking to you and I'll say oh my gosh well what if this happens what if this happens right yeah we both do that so much and looking back it's like okay at least for me it was, what if my dad comes in drunk and he acts a certain way that I'm not comfortable with? What happens if he hurts my mom? What if I bring my friends over and he treats them poorly? Then yeah. I'm going to lose friends. You know, Remember that
0: one time? Yeah. Can I, I it talk it about that? Yeah. No, there was a time I went to Lauren's house. And it was a little different. Like I said, I grew up with her. So I was kind of like the fourth daughter. But her dad, you know, something was going on. And he, she was painting her nail from the couch and he was pissed. So he, like, pushed her against the wall and was screaming at her.
1: It wasn't like he pushed me. It was like he kind of walked me into a corner. Yeah. Where I didn't want to be touched.
0: And he was screaming in your face. And -hmm. I remember I was like, I knew there was a lot going on. But there was also a lot no one told me. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. And I remember your mom was mortified. She's like, don't you dare that in front of her friend. It was just a mortifying moment.
1: Yeah, and let me just put a PSA, like, he's never, like, hurt me physically, he's never hurt my mom physically, nothing like that, but it was something where, that is the only reason why Sarah and one other friend has ever been to my house. Sarah and one other friend, they were the only people that were allowed in my brain, my heart, to come to my house since, I I don't even know, since I met Sarah, and, yeah, since (laughs) the moment I met Sarah, I was like, yeah, she's gonna, she's gonna be my ride or die, so... Basically, they were the only ones who were allowed to come to my house because they were the only ones who I felt comfortable with. And if something were to go down, it's not like they'd run away from me or ditch me as a friend. They'd be there, stand up for me, and be the one to say, hey, this isn't right.
0: I was about to throw hands with Bill. Oh, listen. Like, if it had progressed further, I don't think you understand. I was about to jump on him.
1: No, I remember. Th- it was, like, right after it happened, you're like, Lauren, I don't think you understand. I was, like, on the, s- the edge of my seat. Like, I was
0: waiting for it to escalate for me to do something. Like, he scares the shit out of me, but you do not touch my best friend. Yeah. And I stand by that. Mm -hmm. Andrew, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. You know, so talking about this, we've talked about, you know, growing. And we touched on it. But I want to talk about, like, the focus of this podcast with Lauren is about how childhood trauma affects your ability to grow. And the, the niche of my podcast in general is talking, you know, and touching on growing up in today's era and talking about all the things that no one talks about. So how do we take this childhood trauma that we're thrown into? You know, childhood trauma we have relatively no control over. How do we grow from that? How do we – you have to acknowledge, accept, and validate it in order to grow from it.
1: Exactly. And I guess now – like I've, I've always been a stuffer. So I stuff my emotions and then I mm-hmm. explode. And so I guess going through my past right now, especially being in therapy, um, <laughs> I – you ha-
0: at your therapist? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm,
1: I'm going there right after this. So you have to be able to walk through the storm – to get to the other side you Mm -hmm. can't just skip over what happened and pretend like it never happened you know and i feel like at this point people need to realize it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel sad but don't leave yourself there
0: yeah you know that that stupid quote i'm I'm sure it's on a cat poster life is five percent what happens to you and 95 percent what you do about it how you react to it and i mean it is true and i think we struggle as a society to accept reality Mm -hmm. and that reality can suck right 100% yeah i think i have to constantly reaffirm others mm-hmm. of my situation and they're like oh no like that's not okay like you need to do something about it. i sometimes there are things you cannot control in life and they mm-hmm. are shitty but if you can accept you can't control them it's a lot better it is so much better and you go what can mm-hmm. i control what can i change for example right I, with COVID, I shut down the first couple months. I was extremely depressed. It was really bad. Like, it didn't leave my bed depressed again. Mm-hmm. And going into senior year, everything about this sucks. There is n- uh, there's nothing good about it. Like, let's be like, That is reality. Yeah, there's percent, there's yeah. no plus sides to this other than I get to sleep in, which just furthers my depression. So mm-hmm. I was like, what can I do about this? And that was fine. This place called The Collaborative. And so The Collaborative is in downtown Mike Clemens. It's a collaborative workspace. Where I go, I get to network during the day, which is something I love to do. I get to do this podcast. They provided me with the space and the equipment to do all of this. And I could not mm-hmm. be more thankful. Actually, I want to do a shout out to Walter Hooper. He's w.a.hooper on Instagram. He is amazing. I love talking to him. He actually set up all of this for me today because I've never used this equipment before. You know, mm-hmm. uh, My first podcast, I filmed on my computer with my computer's mic. So yeah, so thank you, Walter. But that was something I could control. And at the end of the day, The hardest reality to accept is you cannot force someone to be there for you. And that might seem like a super, you know, independent isolationist view, but it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, like for me, I have my religion I lean in. God will always be there for me. But I have to be my number one advocate. And I'm going to touch on this actually my next podcast is going to be about growing up in the workforce and what it is truly like to be 15 and working. You know, yeah. we don't talk about that. No one talks about the struggles of being a genuine child and trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard. Yes, yeah, so I was 15, you know, when I started working. And I had to learn very quickly that people will take advantage of you. And you know what? My mom wasn't there standing up for me. My mom didn't call me into work. She didn't do any of that. So when I felt underused or, you know, taken advantage of, I had to stand up for myself. And the other thing you have to accept, you know, if you're friends with someone who's uh, dealing with a lot of uncontrollables or you're the parent of one or the sibling of one, is you can't force them to stand up for themselves. Yeah. And yes, it is important to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves, but you also have to teach them, you know, teach them to fish.
1: Exactly. And I would say that that doesn't just apply in the workforce, but also in families. Like, you have a lot of siblings who can't stand up for themselves, and if you keep standing up for them, they're never going to learn. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I was saying before, you have to learn how to take care of yourself before others, because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere because then you're going to break down and then they're going to break down. So one thing that helped me uh, get through that is learning and accepting that, yes, you can have trauma, but at the same time, don't let that just be a block of your life that you're going to ignore and forget. Yeah. You have to accept it and realize that you can either leave it there and it's just going to be something that you try and block out. You don't tell people or... Mm -hmm. You can say, I don't want this to be wasted space in my life and mm-hmm. wasted time and use it to your advantage and use it to learn from it and learn how to be more independent.
0: Or you can make a podcast talking about it so everyone else can know about it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, what Lauren just touched on is exactly why I'm here today. Um, mm-hmm. Not to make myself feel important or anything like that sounds very, like, oh, my God, you yeah, why I'm here today, guys. But no. That's why we're both here. Yeah, that's no, <laughs> why we're li- – I was telling Lauren, we were formatting this podcast, and I do I put together, like, an outline and everything. And I was, like, share as much as you're willing, but just know that you will help someone by sharing this. Yep. um And that is what's important, you know. So I'm <laughs> – this is kind of – I this is, like, my therapy. Mm-hmm. It's me, like, putting all that I've gone through to use. And that also segues – it's a great segue into what tools – Have you developed? What are some positive things that you have learned to control about your circumstances and some of this trauma you had growing up?
1: Some positive things that I have learned to cope Mm -hmm. um, would be definitely family, friends, going to church. I've been to church more in the past year than I have probably Well, willingly, I I would say. Yeah, willingly.
0: Because you you were able to finally make the choice to go. Yes. There is a big, and if you grow up Christian, you you understand this, is yes, growing up like as a child, like you went to church, you kind of wanted to, but when you make the choice to wake up in the morning and go, it it hits different, (laughs) but it also means more. You know, Mm -hmm. when you choose to be confirmed, when you choose to be communed, when you make that choice, to me, that's what gives my my faith value.
1: Mm -hmm. And especially me, I – recently started singing at church Mm and leading the worship
0: that hits different let me tell you (laughs) that can be applied you know if you aren't religious Mm -hmm. you know this podcast is for everyone yeah that applies to all aspects of your life Mm -hmm. you know if you've been doing things playing sports is a really good example Mm -hmm. if you were playing for anyone but yourself and then one day you you wake up and say this is something i want to be good at and you wake up on a saturday morning at 5 a.m to go to the softball field at the volleyball court or wherever you are You know, that hits different when you become the captain of the team and you're leading everyone that hits different and
1: you're working hard for it. you're
0: working hard Mm -hmm. for it.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say find something that you love and stick with it Mm -hmm. and do it not just because you are sticking with it and people say, oh, you're good at that. No, do something that you do love and it'll mean so much more.
0: Yeah. And you have to do it because you love it, not because what you're accomplishing. That is a very bad coping mechanism I developed, you know, as a kid who didn't get a lot of attention because my parents were always busy, is I based a lot of my self-worth around what I was accomplishing and my successes, and so when I experienced failures, it hit me a lot harder, or when I couldn't succeed where I wanted to, I lost my self-worth and my self-confidence, and that's not a healthy thing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, and with sports and everything like that, that's a release, and even though you may not be writing down your emotions or talking Mm -hmm. about it with someone, that's something where you can feel successful and you can release anger. Mm -hmm. You can release sadness, all that kind of stuff through the things that you love. Mm -hmm. And then it's not going to feel like a chore later on.
0: At the end of the day, you have to be able to look at yourself and evaluate what you're doing. Make sure you're acting with purpose. And that takes some extra time out of your day. But you can do it when you're driving. You can do it when you're sitting on the bench. like evaluate what you're doing make sure you're doing it within moderation and constantly constantly check to make sure that what you're doing is for growth that's for the workforce if you're doing a job and you mm-hmm. feel stagnant and there's nowhere to grow in it find a new job that's okay commit to yourself not a, not you know a, a job or a, a title um if you are <laughs> we have jesse here she's taking a video of us for the collabs instagram <laughs> hi and so yeah, and th- you have to be able to evaluate yourself and take responsibility for that. 100%. You know, yeah. I, I say this in two podcasts from now with Sydney, but others are not responsible for your mental illness. You know, it's exactly. good for them to be there to help you, but it's not their responsibility. Everyone has their own, you know, burden on their shoulders. And, yes, it's, like, like I said, it's great to have someone there for you, but they are not responsible for you. Exactly. If you are able, and there are some people, you know, who are truly struggling so much, they cannot take responsibility for themselves mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's someone else's responsibility.
1: Exactly. You shouldn't become emotionally dependent on someone because they have their own emotions. Then who are they gonna go to? And it's just yeah. it's a vicious cycle.
0: You have to teach people you have to learn from what you've taken and teach each other's exactly. Um so, you know, for the listener now, Lauren, if you had one skill, one mindset to the listener, what would it be? And keep in mind we're talking to, you know, people who have mental illness, people who have childhood trauma Those who know people with childhood trauma, you know, what should they know to get insight? You know, what is something that you didn't know and needed validated that you could validate for them? Um,
1: I would say for me, I didn't know that doing things that I loved would be some type of release. Mm -hmm. And not just like physically just I'm exercising, I'm doing good. No, that's a release of emotion. Mm -hmm. And so I would say find something that you love and use it to your advantage. And, um... I would say if you can, try and write it out because the more you stuff, the more pressure there is. Mm -hmm. But the more you release, the less pressure there is on you to hold it in and keep it from everybody. Not everyone needs to know that you're writing something down. You're writing down you're sad today. Mm -hmm. But that's something for you to be able to physically get out rather than stuffing it down. Then weeks from now, looking back and say, oh, yeah, it started when I was sad that day. So writing it down, it's not going to be something that you need to share or people need to know about but if you decide hey someone really cares about me and I want to share this with them go ahead but it's not their responsibility and it's not your responsibility to share everything for them to share everything with you it's okay to keep things to yourself but at the same time I would say that support is better
0: in some ways than others if Mm -hmm. that makes sense um it's okay to you know have people that are support you when you're struggling but there's a difference between having someone to lean on and using them as a base for your pyramid Mm -hmm. like if i'm using lauren to support me when i'm struggling if god forbid something were to happen to her i need to be able to function on my own Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm trying to like focus on here because saying that my mental illness is not someone else's responsibility is true but that doesn't mean that you can't help someone um you have to learn how to be there for them and not make them dependent on you you know when you are mentally ill or you're struggling you are emotionally vulnerable and it is really easy to attach to someone i was actually just talking to my sister about that with her relationships and sh- my sister's mental illness i'm not going to say which ones, but talking about how just because someone was there for you during a, an event of trauma you know doesn't mean that they are good for you mm-hmm. you attach to them as a way to project your feelings and you associate them with getting out of that trauma in the future. But yeah. that person can still be toxic. Just because they help get you through a toxic situation doesn't mean that that person themselves is not exactly.
1: toxic. Exactly, and just like you were saying earlier, you have to evaluate constantly what's going to make mm-hmm. you grow and what's going to pull you down and what's going to keep you stagnant.
0: Growing and developing is not something you do mindlessly. Yeah. It is constant reevaluation and constant effort on behalf of yourself.
1: Exactly, and just know like when you're talking and you're talking about your feelings or you're writing out your feelings, even thinking about your feelings, nothing isn't important.
0: You know, obviously, we are not mental health professionals. I am 18 years old. Lauren is 17. You know, we're still kids. We're growing up with you. But we do this. This is something that helps us. Mm-hmm. And this is something I know helps a lot of people. And this is advice I would give to you. And if you do need more advice from me, you can always contact me at official on Instagram. Um, I can always redic- direct you to someone who can help you or just give you someone to talk to.
1: She's very good at listening, by the way. <laughs>
0: you know, Sydney said the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're, you are. Yeah. I
0: am, yeah. Um, I think that what I want to end this with is childhood trauma sucks. It is never good, and anyone will tell you that. But there is a lot you can learn from it, and that is something you can control. Mm-hmm. Growing up as like as a child, you have very little influence over your environment. But what you take from that environment is up to you. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you work to move past it, that is up to you. It is possible. You know, you can build yourself up from nothing. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Lauren. It was great.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, everybody. I can't wait to see you next week. As always, like I said earlier in the podcast, you can reach me at official on Instagram and/or you know twitter if you need to contact me directly it's official at com. thank you so much and have a wonderful day
1: so